Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Ed. Ed is from University Drive. How are you? Good. How are you, ma'am? Good. You are, you play rhythm guitar-ish and you're the vocal stylings. <laughs> yeah, more, more or less. Uh, yeah, I play rhythm guitar and I sing. And actually at the moment we're talking about dropping, I might be dropping the guitar and having the other guys just play. So I'm really? not sure what's happening yet. <laughs> so how's that, how's that feel to you? Because you're holding it, you have something in front of you. People like that, they get used to it. And they're like, now you've got a microphone. I've, uh, I think when I was, when I was a young kid, like I'm, I'm 35 now, but when I was, you know, 14 and just getting into music, I loved the idea of the guitar, but over the course of doing it for, you know, almost 20 years now, maybe more, it's like, there's so much, there's so much that I can't do mm-hmm. while, because I have this, this thing attached to me no yeah. matter what so we've kind of been toying with the idea we had a rehearsal last night where we tried me without a guitar and it went really really well so i don't know it's just something new and different to kind of change things up you know it's not bad i'm just curious because usually people are like they switch back and forth mm-hmm. it's hard even when i interview people sometimes when they're talking they, they grab a guitar yeah like a, yeah yeah it's it's yeah. i mean it is weird it's i'm been, i've held a guitar in bands since i was 15 so to to go without it now is a little strange but i also love i i feel like i can give a lot more to the performance and 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 just focus on singing so mm-hmm. i don't know we're gonna we're experimenting it's a trial trial run <laughs> well you guys are still i mean if you think about it, well a newish band mm-hmm. a, a young band yeah. um You've like two albums out and, and then 2017, 2019, and then you've done a couple of singles since then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're working towards a towards new release. Yeah. A new yeah, release at yeah. some point, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we were talking before, to break the fourth wall here, we were talking and um, Scooter raved about you from, from Cold. And um, so I had to check you out. And I don't usually go hunting down people like this. That, so yeah. it's kind of, it, was, it, was, it was a good, good recommend from him. Oh, awesome. And, um, and I want to share it with everybody else. So people can check you out. And as usual, I put all the links and everything on the show. Great. Let's talk about the beginning of the band, though. So yeah. Are familiar with, can you kind of share like what's and who the members are and stuff? Yeah. So the the band kind of, it's it's evolved. I mean, it's like kind of a cliche answer, but it, the band started as one thing and it's kind of evolved in this other thing. When we, when, when it first started, I have to like backtrack. I had a band that was called The Social State. And I was in that band for like, I don't know, seven or eight years. And it was, you know, four dudes and they were unbelievable musicians. And we had uh, an EP, two full lengths, and we were working on a third full length and the band just kind of dissolved. So, really? yeah. So, and, and we had, we have a great scene and or we, we had a really great scene in Scranton. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Scranton, okay. Pennsylvania. So back then, you know, it was, things were great, but for some reason or other, the band just sort of imploded. And I, I kind of went through a period of about two or three months where I didn't play music or do anything for a while. And, and I always wanted to make a record on my own, like just kind of play all the instruments, Mm -hmm. kind of play, pretend I'm Dave Grohl, essentially. That's all I wanted to do since I was a child getting into music. So I went and made this record with no real intentions of start starting a a band, but just to make a record. And the further along it got, these people started talking to me about possibly like, Hey, you're going to do this stuff live. And all right, well, maybe I'll make it like a a collective kind of thing where 
I'll, I'll put records out. And then if there's a show that's like an, an event, then I will get people just for, for that show or for those series of shows, you know? It feels like a lot of work to not have a commitment from people. It was, it was but I, I've, I've just always kind of thrown myself into, and just into making music and, and putting myself in strange situations of making and performing music. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, it was a lot of work in the beginning. And then slowly through kind of like process of elimination and people coming in and out, we kind of had a group, a core group of people together for that, for like towards the tail end of that first record. And then right when we were starting to write the second record, we had like the real band kind of come together, which yeah. was uh, me at the time, because it's changed. <laughs> but uh, it was me, Angela Marzelli, Steve Martin, and our old bass player, John Asoski, mm -hmm. when we started uh, writing and recording our second record, Clear. And uh, that record, it started off as kind of, it just started off as songs. And then all the band, my I lost my mom unexpectedly. And everybody in the band kind of had crazy shit going on. Like they were, you know, people lost family members and breakups yeah. and whatnot. And uh, then the, the record kind of took this weird turn into being about grief and loss and, and a little bit about faith and not really understanding and, you know, not being sure about faith and all, all those sorts of twists and turns. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, we're just a, a little Scranton Wilkes-Barre band. So I had no preconceived notions about any of this stuff. I just, I just do it because I love to do it. And when we put that second record out, that's how Scooter and I kind of got in touch through that record. He heard, saw like promotion for it on Instagram. And then here we are in 2022 and we were just doing a national tour with them. And it's all just, it's all so crazy. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Cause some people have focused really hard on it and they don't get anywhere. And you're like, <laughs> you were putting hundred percent into it and you still lucked out. Well, you know what it was, was in that other band that I was talking about that first yeah. one I was in, I, I was like the epitome of like trying to make shit happen. So trying so hard. Yeah, trying. I mean, it was years. It was that band, another band, my first band, and just trying for years. You know, the deal, sending the email. What kind of what kind of music were you playing in those and evolving to now? Because it, it was it's kind weirder of, nowadays. You know, yeah, the genres are mixed more. Yeah, yeah. I think my first band was more or less just my interpretation of Weezer songs because I love I you know the, especially the first couple records. I really do love Weezer. And it was just me basically trying to write Weezer songs. <laughs> Your newest single actually made me think of Weezer. Yeah, yeah, that execution song. Exactly. I, I heard that. It's like, yeah, that sounds like an influence. Oh, in totally. a good way, too. It's not in a good way because, you know. Cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, I mean, there are always, I think those first two records in specific, the Blue Album, Pinkerton, are always just a standard for me in the back of my head, even yeah. when I'm even if I'm not even thinking about them, if I'm writing a song, it, I feel like there's a certain level, at least uh, arrangement wise that I need to hit, you know, if that makes any sense. But yeah, our, the first band was kind of like Weezery. Uh, then I was in this band with actually my wife still plays in the band uh, Fire with Friends. Um, I was in that band for a little bit and they were more like the Arcade Fire or Margo and the Nuclear So-and-So's mm -hmm. just kind of like, crazy experimental stuff but pop songs at the at the core of everything 
And then a social state was more like, uh, it's kind of like saves the day. I don't know if you ever got into saves yeah. the day, but no. more, they're more along the lines of, you know, like uh, pop punk, but like with Beatles melodies right. and stuff. And with this stuff, I, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't really think about like a specific genre or a specific band, just kind of by the time I started writing a lot of these songs, it was just what it was, you know? And it's kind of naturally evolved now. I mean, because it's labeled on like on iTunes as alternative, but I don't know what alternative is anymore either. Yeah. The alternative to where it was mainstream, I don't know. <laughs> but right. like, but your newest song just also doesn't sound like your other songs though too. So, I mean- you know, vocally and you know there are big differences in your song so oh yeah putting yeah. calling putting in a certain genre to compare you against anything yeah uh, i think it's the challenge oh absolutely i mean it's it's tough too because you know like you like you said like it's hard to wrap your head around like what is alternative like even now because so many so many artists are are blanketed in such a broad term i mean right. everybody from I mean, I've heard bands like Mumford and Sons called alternative. So like, you know, but really? yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard it or seen it under that blanket before, you know, so, uh, but catch all. yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I guess I just associate alternative rock or alternative music with just, just emotional, mm-hmm. emotional rock music, I guess. Right. And there's a wrong answer. I just, I, I always, when I read it, I always think what, what the band thinks of the labeling because you know, they always have to label them. Yeah. It doesn't change my opinion from any band or a laugh sometimes like I don't think it's that but then right. I, I'm really loosey about what I consider titles or anything you know yeah yeah even when, when in the cold interview mm-hmm. now to me I'm like I couldn't label them I mean it came out right. a certain time period but like I said I think I said it was like right they're like melancholy rock it's like happy sad rock yeah yeah I but, would, but that's not a label I mean it is but now it is but, I, but. <laughs> I would totally I would totally agree with that though the melancholy rock thing I think a lot of a lot of bands get swept up under that, you know, like one specific thing. I think a lot of bands from that era were more like, you know, like new rock was kind of like yeah. that, you know, that blanket term, but you know, a band like the Deftones, I don't really hear them in that way. You know, I hear yeah. them more as like a space atmospheric band that has big melodies, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> like, yeah, I could, I couldn't even, yeah, I wouldn't label them. Yeah. And the kind of band you can't do really do covers of their songs either to do it right. right. Some bands you just can't cover. That's one of the bands. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that's that's the difference. You're not gonna go. Oh, a Deftones cover band. You, know, I haven't heard one of those yet. I'm, they might be out there, but you know, it's funny actually. The the tech on the Cold Tour. He's a good friend of mine, Ryan Williams. I've known him for years, and um, he actually filled in on bass for us for two shows um, when our, our bassist had to fly home because his his grandfather passed uh, for some of the shows. It, Anyways, uh, what's it called? He filled in for us, but back home, like, I don't know if it was a couple months earlier before the tour had happened, but he had a little Deftone, a night, like a tribute to the Deftones. So there is, really? a, there is a Deftones cover band out there somewhere. <laughs> I always see it would be a, a tall order to fill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to get their sounds right, you know? Oh, absolutely. So because you've been the core member of the band, you've had a few people in and out, and it really started off as you write. So are you the main writer and then you come in? Sort of. Yeah. Like uh, in, in the beginning, it was just all kind of, it was just me going in and playing all the instruments and writing songs and, and then finding people to play the parts. But um, on the clear record, things started to evolve a little bit where, you know, they're not all the songs, but there's like two, I think there's 12 or 13 songs on the record. And 
two or three of the songs just kind of came out of thin air between just us playing together, you know? And that was like the first big step of co-writing, I mm -hmm. guess, together. And on our new record, there was, I, I took a lot of, a lot of the, like, as far as playing the instruments, I ended up playing a lot of the instruments as it's just kind of become a pattern as far as uh, time, like timing, like trying to make things happen quickly, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Um, but the bass player who came out with us in 2019, because our bass player couldn't do it, his name was yeah. Ryan, Ryan Grutt. Now he's a, the full-time bass player of our band. And for this record, he, he kind of became a big, like, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know, co like co co producer, co arranger, even because he would come to the studio with me almost every session and you know, spitball ideas and play some guitar on stuff. And then that song, Execution, that you brought up, I wrote that song, but then I sent it to Angelo and he sent me like a whole different verse back. And it's just really awesome to finally have those sorts of things yeah. after years of ne not really ever having that, you know. Well, it's, it's an interesting approach because if you, as you know, a lot of bands have different dynamics to it. Sometimes it's one songwriter, the band breaks it big. And then it was like, Oh, I want a part of the song. Cause I want part of the royalties. Right. And, right. and then everybody kicks in and, and usually the main songwriter is like, all right, that's fine. I want to keep this going. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden the sound is not the same sound. That was the hits. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. So, and, or the other thing is just bands are accepting like, you know, we have one lead we'll kick in, but that's their gig. And mm -hmm. huge bands, it's always been like that. They don't really, you know, they just realize that's the role that person plays. That's right. their vision. Or a lot of bands start off, they try to just evolve, like say, everyone brings in three or four songs, you know? Yeah. That way, you know, um, like uh, the aristocrats do that. Each, mm -hmm. each get a couple songs, they bring them in, and then they pretty much have, because they're all, they're all multi-instrumental, so they can play all the parts. Mm -hmm. And then the other guys just kind of tweak it and put it together. Yeah. And it still sounds cohesive, because if you listen to the album, I couldn't tell you who's with who's. Right, right, right. I think we're kind of moving into that. Like it's been a slow, like a slow moving into that is because it's like those, those guys are like my, they're basically my best friends, the yeah. members of the band. Um, and I think in the beginning, what I, what I really love about uh, Angelo and Ryan, who are the current, Angelo is the guitar player and the other singer and mm -hmm. uh, Ryan plays bass. What I really love about them is from the beginning, they just they just really respected the source material, mm -hmm. you know, like and added their flourish, but like had just a respect for the material that sometimes I, I you know, I've just had band members where that stuff doesn't really matter as much to them. You yeah. know, and they really want the songs to come out correctly. So I think through each record and through every song, like they've kind of figured or starting to figure out the way that I lean when I write a song. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's kind of all coming together, if that makes any sense. No, it does. And it's important if you have co-writers that want to write mm -hmm. and it can work out in the band early on. So you yeah. guys can kind of divvy up the songs, even not even for switch worlds. He's not, he's been saying, because yeah. they'll have the interest of the band, you know, if they don't care, it's fine too. But yeah, yeah. You've seen enough of the behind the music and things in life that if the other songwriters are frustrated, Mm -hmm. They either leave or they do soul projects. They have a good song. You don't get it. Or, right. you know, it just, the bands just, you know, crash. Right. Yeah. That's, that's one of the big reasons I really, I, I pushed for them to kind of, when we started this, this newer, this new record we're going to release, uh, I was really pushing like, guys, send me anything. Like it's, it's no ego. Like I just want whatever is the best. 
but you yeah. still need somebody in charge to say, I'm not, I just, we can all write songs. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to say, no, that's crap. Right. I think <laughs> there's got to be like a, a, like a litmus test of like, right. What you, what you, you, like you, you built the bar of what you want it to be. Right. Right. I think, well, we were lucky enough because we had uh, this producer, Paul Smith, uh, another good, great friend of mine, but uh, he was kind of keeping tabs on the, like, that song sucks or this song is right. so, so, you know, so at least we had that outsider, you know, that outsider who was listening and really pushing for great performances, but not afraid to tell us when, you know, we we're stinking it up pretty bad. So <laughs> you were saying that there's a pretty good scene there, like. How many, like a lot of clubs down there or what? Well, you know, a couple of years ago, like five, five to 10 years ago, that it was, you know, more, I'm talking more like all ages, DIY kind of yeah. art space, you know, there were, there were a lot of places, but, you know, as, as time kind of went on, a lot of the, the art spaces slowly closed down, but bands, me and my one friend always talk about this, but bands will they'll make it fucking happen no matter what, you know, whether they're playing a VFW or if they're, of course, of course, I just, cause I've never really yeah. gone deep. Most of my experience down in Pennsylvania is usually yeah. the country and the Amish land, the big area. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So to me, it's like, I don't know what it's referenced from besides maybe you guys driving by in your van and yelling at the, the Amish and the little buggies, university drive rules. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, we do that too. But yeah. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, Jeremiah, whoa. Uh-huh. You know, I, 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 you know, but I really don't know like in the whole cities and the towns and like, you know, yeah club scene down there so i was just kind of interested well in the at least where we're general generally from scranton wilkes Bear, it's a lot of you know smaller bars and stuff uh the there's a, a great venue called the river street jazz cafe that's in plains which is basically wilkes Bear, and uh that's a great venue they have a lot of great bands come down through there and uh there's a great all ages venue in Wilkes-Barre called Carl Hall that I'm actually playing there tomorrow with Angelo. We're doing like a little acoustic gig there or we're opening the show. It's not an acoustic gig. We're just opening it. But anyways, that's an amazing, it's, it's literally a VFW that they just put a really badass sound system into. So people come in and congregate. It's a room solely for music. So it's really awesome. Uh, but there are, there, there are a lot of cool places. There were a lot more a couple of years ago. And I think the pandemic really just like sadly fucked a lot of things up as far as, you know, yeah. uh, just all that sort of momentum. But I, it seems like a lot of, a lot more places are popping up, but as far as the, the bands and the artists around this, mm-hmm. this area, I mean, I, I, I believe there's something in the water up here because everybody i mean i could just throw a rock and hit like an amazing songwriter like left and right there or an amazing drummer or piano player what have you they're fucking everywhere around here really and, like not just blowing smoke like they're everywhere i believe you no reason yeah. not to <laughs> yeah <That's where>. no. <laughs> <laughs> um as you are a guitar player mm-hmm. is that are you initially working on songs from guitar is the melody I was like, um, the songwriting process for people because. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it kind of it kind of depends. Most of the time, it's just a guitar and a vocal that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I, I'll just play an acoustic guitar vocal and hit record on my phone or my DAW or whatever I'm doing it on. Uh, and just uh, I'll just hit record and play and see if anything good happens. That's usually what I do. And 
if some sort of lyric or melody presents itself, then I just kind of like, I kind of chase that. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. It does. Like, it's very interesting that how the process, and I always ask everybody because everyone's got a different thing with their gear mm-hmm. and their looks. Yeah. You'd be surprised at the, the gauge of some strings that some people use. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, some pop guys like uh, John Parr, he has the thickest, like, guitar strings you know and he plays from St. Louis Fire like it's you wouldn't expect that mm-hmm. um but then some other people have the softest strings like his easy top type of thing or oh, yeah. or um, um another guy I know he every day he gets up and goes from like 8 to 12 into his little studio mm-hmm. and he just writes every day I love it I love it man and that's the time window and some people are like I write on tour and some people are like I don't work on anything on tour I literally just focus I get through the day yeah and then some people just it pops up to them they got a lyric, lyric sheet mm-hmm. by the bed and a guitar in every room Oh yeah. Everybody's, everybody's uh, process is, is a little different. What I love though, is what you said about the one guy, like, I like people that almost approach it like a job, you know, like they, they have like, okay, these are, I'm going to go and I like guys that like chip away at it. Yeah. Well, he would chat the guy I'm talking about um, is Tizzy Ellis. uh, Okay. Very talented. Check. You don't know. Very talented blues guitarist singer for, for many, many, many years. Um, and, and he's a good writer, so he has he's writing songs too. He's not just like you know making sounds. Right. Afterwards, he's, right. he's like he's like anybody want to buy some songs? I got a ton of them. I do this every right. day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he has a lot of songs. So when the time comes, he can kind of pick what he wants. Right. Right. Yeah. I I just I love that. I like I like when when people kind of just just uh, really really chip away and, and and approach it like a craft. You know, like as opposed to waiting for some muse or some right. some magic to strike because I, I think it's like at the end of the day if you're not if you're not making the effort you know at least once a day or once every other day to really try to try to catch the magic it's not mm-hmm. gonna you're not gonna capture it you know right and, and i think the other thing is it's, it's, it's not just taking you know um eight to twelve or whatever it is for anybody because yeah. uh, a couple people says to me it's also turning off your devices yeah not doing any emails during this time yeah it's literally Dedicated time, probably with your guitar, your laptop, not going surfing, recording, yeah. or whatever device you're using. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's an acoustic guitar and a piece yeah. of paper outside. Yeah. But it's literally dedicated 100%, no distractions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's where I think, you know, you can't, you can't um, fail to that, at least, because you're still getting some time in. Because most people don't practice a guitar at this, this level anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's the only, the only way like to be for it to be truly expressive too you know like if you're not if you if you have all your attention all over the place like you need to truly be in it Uh, you know it almost should be like a meditative it should have like some sort of meditative quality to it when it's happening your daily daily ritual yeah for real yeah that's that's how i think of it anyway yeah it i would think that too but i like years you know I was hearing people like, I can't, I can't just write a song. It takes me, you know, a year to come up with 10 songs or something. Mm-hmm. And as time's gone on, the older I've gotten, the more people I've spoken to, it's like people, more people are like, no, I can write a song, you know, how mm-hmm. good or working on it, where it goes with it, you know, there's another thing, we'll, we'll write an idea down and then we'll take it five years later. Right. You know, so that's the thing with you. So if you're writing songs and then the band's writing songs and it's finding the, the quality and the sound you guys want, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we started this record, this new one that we're working on, it's, we had, I mean, outside of the other guys, I have, I had a lot of songs. I had, I had 50 songs like pre-production 
completely like pre-production out before we even went in the studio just so like and i'll i'm going to just explain the reason why really quickly uh i did that because i had one experience years ago where i went to this unbelievable studio with an amazing producer and i showed up and I forever look back at this one record. I don't want to say it because it's a, it's great, but I have my issues with it. Um, but uh, I forever look back at it. And I remember half of the record, me loving and half of the record, me like uh, makes me cringe because I didn't have the songs. I just had what I had, you know, I had the right. 10 I worked on up to that point. And I always look back at that. Like Fuck, I could have done that. I could have done better. So when we had this opportunity to go with a producer again, I remember like way in advance, I was like, there's no way, <laughs> there's no possible way I'm going to go down there and regret this years later, like for not putting in the work right. of having enough songs. So I just kind of bolted up in my room and it was right around when the pandemic happened. So, and I just wrote a ton of songs and then all the guys were bringing parts too and songs too. So it was, it was a lot of shit to sift through, but yeah. <laughs> so you're recording and basically your pre-production at your house, you have a little setup going on, I imagine. Yeah. I just, I just moved within the last couple months. So I don't have it currently set up, but uh, I just have a little laptop set up with Reaper on it and a uh, little interface, the Scarlet interface things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I'm not super recording savvy, but I, I could do it well enough to where I could at least I could make demos that have the the basic set to the song, right. you know, like the drums, bass, guitar, vocal harmonies and vocals. Uh, and the way that we actually did that was we, I would do all those and then we would just we'd bring all those minus the drum track that I would kind of MIDI out and we would bring that down the studio and kind of whip it into shape, you know, cut bridges or, you know, all that drum, the drum should be like this or the bass shouldn't be doing this. We should switch this part. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of great things, I think, to have in a, a little setup. You know? It's and, 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 to, and to add to that, I think with, with COVID, a lot of bands have been sending tracks back and forth and that's good. And it's actually allowed other people from other, other countries and other, you know, a lot of band members don't even live in the same state. I you know some band members don't even yeah. live in the same, same continent mm-hmm. I talked to. Oh yeah. Like, literally somebody in Venezuela and somebody over in, you know, in uh-huh. England and then, and then the drummer's over in Florida or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, try coordinating those for Zoom call for everybody. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine. That was insane. Um, but, but to that point, there's a certain level of where you can do everything and you can do drum parts when you record you need i myself feel you need to have a professional recorder to do the drum part even if it's a separate oh. studio and then add it in can't mm-hmm. do like your own version of doing the drums or electronic drums or something to go yeah. into it yeah. even the acoustic sounding ones it's garbage yeah. dude it's you need a real producer to do real drums it's real studio I, everything I, else you can ship in but that's i i agree wholeheartedly on that and you know like like you said like recording technology has come a long way within the last, especially the last like 15 years, 10, 15 years. It's like incredible what you can do now. And you can do pretty much everything else like anywhere, but you need a good room. You really need a good room, good drums, good performances, you know? And I think you can, you can kind of get with the vocals, but even good vocals, you're really getting into them, like power vocals. It's kind of better be in a different environment too. I agree. Um, agree You you know, because, I, there are some great albums out there and I can tell that the drums were, were not live, you know, oh, yeah. and I can't listen to it because production, production for me will ruin a song. Oh, it can be a great sure. band, a good song, but just listening to it, 
Mm-hmm. It's awful. Like, you know, like in the 80s, a lot of guys were just overproduced. Oh, yeah. There would have been like, there was a lot of good songs in there, mm-hmm. but the album just felt like it was like a, a, a shellac over it, like, you, you know, the sound wise. And it wasn't the band's fault either because uh-huh. it's just the producers were doing this, their sound that they get sent to from the record labels. And the band's like, I came in here so for the sound. Yeah. I was like a bluesy rock band. I come out now, it's so slick. Yeah, yeah. And the fans, the fans turn on you because you're like, that's not what you sound like. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is not what we sound like. We have to listen to the label, right? You know, and then and then you end that problem. Yeah, such a weird, such a weird time when all that was happening, and I and I, I see it mirrored a lot too these days. Really? Like, yeah, like as far as like like the the standards, like like for recording, because I I really like everyone has personal aesthetics, you know, things that they like, and I like. I like some slicker sounding records. I like some records that just sound kind of like a fucking train wreck too, you know? Right. Well, it depends on the music. I mean, I've exactly. many times before. I have, I, have a, I have a recording degree, so I have my own yeah. opinion on what I like, what I don't like. Right, um, right, right. But I think you can do a lot with it. Oh, I, learned okay. an, I, was, I learned analog and I went back and learned on uh, digital yeah. Yeah. too. So, um, you know, it was whatever. But mm. uh, some music is good slick, but not all of it. And the drums should always be live. I unless, totally. unless you're an electronic drum band, that's your it's a style of music like dance or techno yeah. or industrial. Yeah, then that's the drums you need. So right. yeah, you know. yeah. No, I I agree whole wholeheartedly with that. I just think I, I notice it a lot in just in uh, modern produced albums, like across the board. It's just there's just so many of the same like kick samples and same snare samples and. And I, and I understand a lot of that stuff, depending on how the records are made, like, or depending on what the intention is, like, it's hard to get away from those things sometimes, but I don't know, there, there's just something like, again, maybe I'm coming at this just for my personal taste, but there's something so awesome about hearing, uh, you know, somebody hit a snare drum and it reverberate in a room, you know, there's something so sad. Yeah, absolutely, there's so many things you can do with a drum, you can even make it yeah. sound dead and flat but a, yeah. a real lot but a live dead and flat drum sounds different than an electronic drum absolutely a, a difference and if you have a producer it's going to sound much better because you know to mm-hmm. make it sound good and um but you're in an interesting time being a younger band like as far as distribution and not having to do a label mm-hmm. like it's a new world oh yeah. these past 10 years mm-hmm. you know you can go on instagram you can promote yourself yeah. it is kind of like the do, do it yourself type of atmosphere now oh totally 100 percent I mean, you could actually you can do everything and then crowdfunded or Patreon and whatever. And then from there, you know, make your money back. Yeah. Find, find a distributor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, it's, it's for a while. I, I was very confused by how, how it all worked as far as, you know, you get stuck in your, your rock and roll dreams from childhood of how it's, how it's all going to happen. But Again, over the course, same thing with the recording technology, how, how much that has shifted and updated, like mm-hmm. the, the way that albums are made and the way that they're presented to the world and the way that you manage a career now is, is yep. so insanely different. You can, you can do, you can do everything on your own completely. Right. And you'll make more money. I mean, some of these bands that, you know, they have the lengthy careers are still around. Yeah. They've said they make more money now selling small amounts to themselves and then, then they may be on these big labels and only oh, i believe it i believe it wholeheartedly absolutely and, and and the other thing is you can what you got your mailing list this and that you can focus in mm-hmm. on your audience and say instead of worrying about trying to get thousands and thousands of people you have a quarries of a thousand people right and you, and you and you honor them with merchandise and this and that yep 
a, a legion of a thousand followers mm-hmm. that supports the band financially is going to pay off better than 10,000 people you're trying to hit all over. Absolutely. And that's been, and that's been shown too. It's not like, but that was something you don't think about because, you know, at one point musicians weren't thinking about that. They just wanted the car and later on they find out the, right, the, right. the label, the label of the bank, it was the car or their managers. Actually, the manager has all the money in the cars and held his name. And right. You know, there. Right. Yeah. That's, that's something that we, we've all been talking about a lot too, is, is, you know, since, since when we first got on the 2019 tour with Cold, the Broken mm-hmm. Human tour, and then getting to do this, the Black Sunday tour, we were just really talking about how, how, we can how 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 it can work if you if you really focus in on like you said on a core group of people not trying to for world domination but just trying to make you can still grow organically stuff but i mean if you yeah. want to talk cold this is just the easiest thing right now when the, the, the cold army oh that's it's incredible man that is a home run that is perfectly set up because scooter and the band love them mm-hmm. and the audience loves them back yeah you know yeah and that's that's what you want Mm-hmm. to be contacted with the fans because they're like your friends and they're just you're they're listening to your music that they love and right. you, you get the energy back and they help support you t- so you can give back to them absolutely you know? it's it, it's amazing it's amazing i think that's i think it's the best way to go about it and it's uh and i like the fact that i like that there's no barriers anymore mm-hmm. you know it, it just it it makes things a lot more a lot easier to to be personalized with with the band. There should there should be no barriers between fans. There should be no barriers to types yeah. of music. Yeah. There should be a barrier at the salad bar though, because there used to be like a salad bar barrier. But but anywhere else there's still a barrier. I agree with you. I agree. 100%. That's my only barrier, I think. And I I live with that one myself. I hear that. But no, but on a serious note, it is important. And I think you know the best thing anything you could do is just never sign away your stuff. You know, maybe yeah. a temporary thing for a an area. To license right. your stuff, but right. never, you know, that's the first thing I think any, any long-term musician would say, don't sign anything away to anybody. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you wrote the songs. Why would you not want to keep them? Right. I want to keep them. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So yeah. yeah, that's, you know, the big thing. So at this yeah. point, as you said earlier, um, you do, you have a working on you know, a future album coming out because obviously you have two full ones out and you've been dripping out singles. Are you doing any more singles? And yeah. are these singles going to be part of the album? Or are these just different? No, they're going to be part of the record. Yeah. Yeah. They're a part of the record. And I think we're going to put out one more one or I think we're going to do just one more before uh, we actually announce when the record's coming out and, you know, when we're going to, where we're going to do our show and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, right now it's just, we're, uh, we're kind of at a standstill because we're trying to select this the next single and there's a couple options in the air at the moment so, so. well it's interesting because you can do with digital downloads you can you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's no time limit you can just have extra songs for the album that you're not going to do and just release oh, singles yeah. so, so the summer mm-hmm. you know so the fans can dig it oh the way for an album but and still have enough songs in the album where they're not like well, i've already heard four of these songs in the album there's only 62 songs at this point you know what i mean right Right. I mean, you still have 50 songs waiting to put that, down. That's, that's what's funny is we were just talking about this, how, you know, uh, we had the 50 pre-pro songs and then we recorded 20 and picked 12. So we have these other songs that are almost fully recorded that would need little to no, no help, you know, to just have stuff to, to put out or have stuff to, to give out to, you know, the people who dig our band. So, so I think we're definitely going to go down that that right. I think that'd be great. I mean, depending on how you release it, then put those songs with the summer. Like, don't take yeah. any of the good songs in the album, and then you can throw those bonus tracks on the album or whatever you, you do it. 
right were out during the summer but you still gonna have your 10 or 12 core songs already you're not right. touching those because that's the album right these are right. all these are all like you know snacks and appetizers for right, the meal right. you know and then you still have a full bunch because you can't ever have too many songs as a fan no know? no uh, speaking as a fan of many bands i totally agree with that i always i love it people are like oh you shouldn't do a double album or you shouldn't put out i know it's 12 long unless the songs are really droning and then that's the forest of the trees yeah i'd be like well is it just too much of the same because some bands are like you know an album should be only 35 minutes long or 30 you know what i mean right and there's some albums that are like you wow like a lot of Van Halen albums are like that Mm-hmm. later on they went on they were longer and they were justifiably good too but that was the old thought to go in and out yeah but it depends on your music because some, some, i could listen to something as an hour hour and a half albums i'd be yeah happy every, i'd be happy if every album was like that you know yeah i i always my my favorite listening experiences seem to always be somewhere between the 35 and 45 minute somewhere in between there maybe 50 minutes here or there but it's like yeah, that seems to be the sweet spot. But I'll, like you said, dude, I mean, if it's, if it's a good record or a good double album or something, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I love records, you know? The only thing, uh, like I told this record too, the only thing that makes me crazy is after like when an artist will do like a lot of talking parts or like little, like it'd be like, you know, 10 tracks or whatever, and then have like little pieces, interludes. Yeah, yeah. And after the first time you hear the album, like then you just hear it, it's like, it's just, oh, it's like three, 30 seconds of garbage now before the next song. You know right. what I'm saying? Cause you already heard it a million times. It's not really a song. It's just, right. You know, because we're like shtick. So you're like, oh. Right, 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 right. Totally. You know, but what are you going to do about that? That's good. So yeah. the summer, are you need, as we kind of get to the end of this, we can be uh, any any playing out at all or? Yeah, any, I mean, any... at, the, at the moment, we're just, at the moment, we're just planning out as planning the the rolling out of this, of the album. And we, we have basically, we have two shows that are coming up besides the one that we're playing tomorrow. Uh, we have a show on July 8th that we're going to be playing uh, the Debonair Music Hall, which was one of the places we played uh, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the places we played on the Black Sunday tour. We're playing there July 8th. Uh, we're going to try to do something else in July. I don't know if it's going to happen. And then at the end of August, we're going to have a big hometown show for the album release. So It feels weird, though, like not touring during yeah, the summer well, when everybody's out touring now. Yeah, I know. It feels weird to just come back and now we're not touring, you know? Right. And it's opening up even more. I mean, yeah, yeah. But we more or less like we're using a lot of the uh, we we made a lot of a lot of good friends out there and a lot of a lot of nice connections Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I think our goal is to basically set up just some like week runs here and there, you know, a much shorter scale. But uh, a week run here or there, three days here and there, uh, back to a lot of the places that we we just were. So not full out tour tours, but some little road gigs and week tours. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's the end goal for you guys. Just keep getting bigger, keep releasing a slow, yeah. natural growth. I just you know you know what man like I I love doing this. Like I love doing it. I'm gonna do this until they put me in the ground. So I any way that that. I can continue to do it. I'm, I'm thrilled. So if that entails, you know, doing three road gigs or a show at my local bar or playing with some of my friends cover band to make a couple oh, yeah. bucks or whatever it is. You know? I, I, I give so much credit to anybody that goes out and plays like in it says this, you know, some guys you're like, Oh, that, that old guy's been playing forever. Yeah. He's playing at the bar for free, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I give him as much props as I give somebody walking into a stadium tour or something because they're not getting all the great props they're going home probably got nothing 
Oh, I mean, yeah. they're literally doing it for the love of music. Yeah, 100%. Man. And they're putting it out there no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not jaded enough to not be playing because, you know, right. I'm not being taken care of. So I'm going to, I don't have my right. gold Cadillac. Right. Uh-huh. They're like, I love music. And I'm going to play forever because I love music. Sure, you want to be successful and make money. Yep. So it makes it easier when you do your music stuff to not have to worry about money. Right, right, right. <laughs> but that's just a type of life, you know. It's better right. just me you liked and you don't. But this, I get much respect for that. Like anybody plays any bands, whether it's cover bands or anything, yep. total respect because it's hard. I, I look at it. I, I I say this a lot. And I think I, I I probably anybody who hears me say this is going to be like, shut up, stop saying this. But um, I feel like there was a point where, when I was talking about that one band I was in, that social state band, I had a lot of expectations, a lot mm-hmm. of expectations, and my heart was broken on a fucking weekly basis because I had such high expectations. And when I started this band, University Drive, I started with, I'm just doing it because I love it. I have zero expectations, but an open heart for anything that may come our way. And I've had that mindset the whole time while I've had this band. And the band has had this nice, slow little trajectory. So, so here it comes about, about this whole subject. Shut up about it already. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. You're right. And actually, the... the couldn't resist that's good the the actual um part of it is like it's like you know like you're like in school and you're trying to like you know get get with some like date somebody or whatever yeah, whatever yeah. and then are you always like trying to date people and whatever and you're always trying so hard like you get the newest styles and whatever mm-hmm. and also you're like you know i don't care anymore and those are the ones the the, the uninterested people are the ones that like everyone wants to date you it's the truth you don't care. yeah it's the truth unless you care the more people care i i, I really believe i i think uh i can't remember who said it might maybe it's was Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age. Somebody said, if you expect anything from music, you expect too much. And I just love that. I think it's such a great quote. Like the only thing you should expect from it is like it to be the, you know, the friend it's always been that, that the record, the thing that yeah. the reason you got into it. And um, for me, it's, it's proved, it's proved so true ever since starting this. So I, I do it because I love it and everything, literally everything else is gravy, but I'm open to all the good things. I just, you know, I just right. I mean, cause there's nothing wrong with being successful. Yeah. I mean, right. Right. And, and there's, you know, and that's the worst thing I think um, when people are like, Oh, I heard this song and I'm actually, I should have one of Led Zeppelin. Do you remember when, when there was um, a commercial, I think they, uh, they licensed it. Cause they don't sell their songs, right. But there's a point when Led Zeppelin licensed like rock and roll or something, yeah. like a car commercial for I don't know, like Audi, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, I'm sure people out on the internet can correct me and you know what? don't really care right <laughs> point is they took one of their songs licensed it for a car thing and then they were a sellout to right. people mm-hmm. you gotta roll, roll that back a little bit they took one of their songs right and sold to another business just like right. buying an album yeah how's that selling out the yeah. minute you record your stuff and somebody else buys it then you're helping them then you're your eyes they're selling up like making music you know yeah. Not Mumford and Sons playing on the street corners or something. It's right. once you get into it's a music business, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe they like that car. Maybe they, you know what I mean? Right. There had to be some, some reason why they would do that. I mean, right. Need of money. I mean, sure. I mean, I, I think all that stuff is, is for the artist to decide right. solely. And I mean, like at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know, all that stuff, all that it's stuff. It's hard really, for an artist though. Yeah. They'll, you oh, know, I mean, yeah. I may step, step on you. It's hard because they'll hear like, if we put the money out here, if we get a song on a soundtrack, that's some good cash. Yeah. And you know what? You need cash to live. And yep. if you can live nicer, you get better recording stuff. You can buy an extra guitar. You get extra recording time. 
you can live in a house that is not going to be taken away. And you can relax about that, not worry about yeah. that. And you can focus on a song. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so good for you. I mean, you know, it's, you should be able to sell whatever you want. It's no one's business, but the artists, sometimes I've heard artists say that, you know, I don't want to be a sellout or I need to cover this for some bucks. It's so what? Right. It's no difference that everybody else gets to, goes to work every single day. Right. It's the same at the end of the day. I, I think all that stuff is like, I, I feel like everybody wants those things, but they're just afraid to say those things, you know, like it's, it's okay to, I mean, I would, I, I hope somebody wants one of our songs to put in a soundtrack. And you should, and it's, and it's, it's, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, I'm like, are they like, oh, that began, what's ever happened to them? They're like a one hit wonder. Well, I'm like, well, they've had like five albums out and just because yeah. America top 40 radio is so picky every three minutes later, yeah. Instagram players uh-huh. in Europe, they're making a killing. Yeah. And they're successfully writing albums as good or better than they already did. So this right. one album, you know, if you have one song that you're known for, mm-hmm. that's a compliment. Because there's a lot oh, of bands absolutely. that do not have known for one song. You know what I mean? No. Generations why my kids know these songs, these one hit wonders. That's quite a thing to do. Oh, absolutely. I I all that stuff, even you know, one hit wonders, one hit wonders. But I, I just think if you if you have the ability to write a song that can connect with millions of people, like yeah. four thousands or hundreds, like that's a win. And no man, and no way you cut like any way that you cut that, that is a complete win. You, right. did, you did the thing, whether it's in a car commercial or a movie or on your local radio station. If you if you did that, that is a fucking win. Like that's the way, man. I, I agree. I support that's why I always want I always say to artists and new artists, I'm like, you just do whatever. And, and you know, and, mm-hmm. and fans to say that makes you crazy. It's like go to their job, say you're in a warehouse. Do you have any home runs there that everyone still talks about five years later? Something you did real good at work one day. <laughs> No, definitely. That time with the, the, the forklift in the box, we're still talking about that. <laughs> Remember that box that was telling somebody you, you, you stopped it? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Know? Totally. So, but but to, to have that is great. And I think a lot of the old time artists, they dig it. They're like, yeah, it still pays for my house. I can still right. do music. And because the market goes crazy, it's not a guarantee. It's not a, you know a scale. Yeah, especially with how different everything is now, too. You know, that's like, you know, the before there were, were huge sums of money being tossed around and now yeah. like like even though it's a lot, a lot it wasn't even long, your money you had to pay it back too right right exactly but you know at least at least that option is there you know like the, the fact that you can get a song in a commercial and it could yeah. potentially change everything i think you guys will be explode in europe when you can get on the road in europe that's i think it's a, i think it's a slow burn here in the u.s because the u.s is kind of picky yeah. yeah, you go to a guitar show and everyone's like this in the back. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's more it's more show me and prove me. You're like to really wear wear the fans down. And not all fans, much. They, yeah. but if you go, if you're somebody that actually goes to the clubs and sees club shows a lot, mm-hmm. it's a challenge for a new band to come on and open up for somebody else because they don't care. Oh, for sure. Europe, and over in all those countries over there, mm-hmm. just dedication. You oh, get, you get that behind there. There are bands that still survive off of just Germany alone. Right. They're from right. the eighties. You know. Yeah. I would love to do that. I mean, we'll have to cross that bridge when we hopefully come to it, but I would, I would love to do that. You get loyalty in Europe. That will keep your career going. Yeah. It saved all the rock bands over there. Once the Grinch came along. Yeah. Europe yeah. kept them and they could completely keep their lifestyle up and just fly over in Europe. Right. I would, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, right. <laughs> Especially get like yeah. South America, or Brazil or something in Germany. They're yeah. huge loyal followers. Oh, that's, that's for sure. Definitely. So, 
That's good. I mean, I just want to have a short thing to have you on today and kind of introduce yeah. you to, to, to my audience. You know, I, I appreciate this so much, dude. Seriously, seriously means a lot to me. I'm glad you come on. I want to, I, I do feel strong about your music. It's a short period. I don't usually do that. Here's, I go, oh, I got to say something, you know, <laughs> I'll have you back again when you have your album out. We'll promote your album. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, I'm any, anytime you want, let me know. Yeah. We'll talk about the album and break it down the songs and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's very cerebral. Fans really seem to dig going to the albums and going back. I do that mm-hmm. a lot. And a lot of artists are like, I've had this album for 12 years for other artists. You know I mean, like, right, I'm doing. Right. and they're like, I go back. I didn't even hear that before. Oh, people yeah. come back, you know, a series of them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a total fun thing to do. So oh, I love it. I love it. Awesome. I want to thank you for being on the show, man. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to the next, next time I get, hopefully Excellent. get to be on.